Greetings, my name is Rohan Kulkarni and I head the healthcare practice at HFS Research. Welcome to the HFS Unfiltered Stories podcast. I have with me Dr. Steve Ambrose today to chat about price transparency. Dr. Ambrose is a 25-year champion of empowering consumerism in healthcare. He's a trusted problem-solving leader of people, patients, technology, and results across healthcare data, technology, consulting, and consumer-centric companies. His content has viewed over half a million times, and he's, he's a cutting-edge strategist around today's biggest healthcare challenges. Welcome, Steve. Really good to see you. Uh, Hi, nice, uh, nice to be here. <laughs> indeed. Uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself and your passion for price transparency. Uh, help us level set transparency, price transparency here. And why do you think it's important? Well, first of all, I'll take I'll take the later one first. And thanks for having me on the show. Um, price transparency, as we know, started within CMS under the Trump administration. It was designed ideally to help uh, consumers better shop for care. Uh, now, whether that's actually going to happen or not with consumers, we're going to obviously get into. Uh, but it starts uh, in 2021. And uh, it actually goes through a number of waves until and through 2024. Um, what winds up happening is, uh, as we know, it's already started the first wave with hospitals requiring a number of different files that have to be made available online. Um, and some of those are machine readable files. Uh, some are shoppable services. Uh, there have to be 300 shoppable services, 70 of which are already decided on by CMS, and the other 230 are elective to the to the individual hospital. Um, and that started in January 1st of this year. And as most people may likely know, uh, it has not been well adhered to on all of the files being freely available and viewable. Um, my passion for transparency uh, stems from a deep-seated belief that our health system needs to be vastly informed, reformed rather, um, that we're in a situation where the average employer and the average individual, which I collectively call consumers, those that receive care as well as those that pay for care, uh, are, are tremendously deleveraged. They really are in a position where over the past four decades, prices have gone through the roof and costs in healthcare have literally been kicked down the street to individuals and employers. And at some point, what needs to happen is we need to have some empowerment back in this system because it's simply unsustainable. Uh, price transparency is one of many measures. And as we'll discuss, um, it's a good first step. As it rolls out in subsequent waves, uh, I think we're going to see more and more change happening uh, as it comes through the, the payer side and eventually develops uh, more individual-centered tools through 2024. Fabulous. Fabulous. You know, having set the stage for us, let's start, let's talk unfiltered. Now, you indicated that CMS requires by January 1st, 2021, that hospitals um, begin to publish up to 300 shoppable items, right? Mm -hmm. And health plans have to do something similar in 2022. Um, yeah. I am in agreement with you and a believer with you in, in, in price transparency, and I generally think it is good. But where I tend to be a little skeptical is on behalf of the average Joe, how is average Joe going to be able to discern the technical complexity of these treatments? Well, I think you're spot on. The average Joe won't be able to do that. Um, and I think that when you're 
taking something that uh, like as large as healthcare and industry, which is it appears to be consumer friendly on the on the front end. But if you really look at the entire experience as a consumer would experience any industry with products and services, healthcare, as we know, is is not very consumer friendly. And, and most likely it's been that way on purpose. I mean, some people have said that the system is has accomplished exactly what it's been designed to do. Um, let me start out by saying that when we look at different systems um, evolving here within price transparency, it may appear and it may initially seem politically that it's all designed for the individual. And in a perfect world, maybe that would happen. But until we actually look at the entire way that the, pri- that the payment system and the billing system is set up, um, there's very little likelihood of that happening in the near term for the individual. So I agree with you. I mean, somebody goes to the hospital, let's say they have a broken arm, they're not necessarily going to shop. But if they were, there may be 10 or 12 or 14 different codes for a broken arm, right? You know, broken arm with medium complexity, broken arm with high complexity, broken arm with comorbidities. How would anybody know how to shop for something like that? And and that's just one area. There are tens of thousands of codes, as we know, uh, very complex. So at the end of the day, what we have is a situation where it's a good first start, but I see the real empowering um, parties in price transparency being the employers. I think that where this is really going to kick off, Rohan, and where it's going to really be effective is having smarter um, smarter employers around healthcare costs and vendors that serve them being able to read these machine-readable files and, and use them for better leverage. The self-insured employers right now need that. And I think you're starting to see a groundswell of empowerment around this. So long story short, I don't see it strong for individuals, not in the first several years anyway, perhaps even the first 10 years, uh, but I do see it absolutely strengthening self-insured employers. Fair point. I do agree with you, Steve, that you know it's a necessary first step. I, I think um, we may not see any material changes in the next year, two years, even maybe three years, but the fact that culturally we're getting to a point where we're beginning to be able to see the price of something that I'm going to be purchasing before I actually purchase is a big deal in healthcare. We haven't seen that before. So from that standpoint, this is definitely a, a good first step. Uh, but l- let me press on this some more um, because you know one of the purposes of price transparency, maybe not in healthcare, but in other industries, is drives a level of consumerism in terms of our ability to choose uh, what we want to buy and from whom we want to purchase. Now in healthcare, particularly in acute care settings, um, the choices are fairly limited. Maybe in an, in an urban setting, you have a choice of two or three hospital systems. Some of us are lucky we have three or four or five hospital <laughs> systems. But by and large in America, you're typically stuck with one or two hospital systems. In, in the rural setting, it's even worse. So in this yeah. kind of a setting, um, my suspicion is price transparency is not going to do much good. But still, uh, I, I'd like your, your thoughts in terms of... Um, how does that play, if it plays at all, a part? Well, um, you know, I think to the extent that you talk about um, acute care, let's keep in mind that there are a lot of elective surgeries and there are a lot of elective procedures and even going to a regular doctor visit that's non-acute or, or non-emergency, 
Um, you know, certainly there's plenty of volume and, and plenty of um, opportunity in those services for sure. And you're seeing this already. You're already seeing companies like Transparent. Uh, there's other vendor companies that are coming in with, with their attached centers of excellence, and they're feeding into the self-insured employers and saying, you know what? We actually will fly your employees to different centers of excellence because it's that much cheaper to get a knee replacement or to get a bypass, an elective bypass, things such as that nature. Um, and those are high ticket items, right? It, it's it's always interesting to me, Rohan, to see how people talk about um, healthcare and how they talk about, we're going to change the system. We're going to fix healthcare. We're going to fix it through primary care. Well, primary care compared to secondary and tertiary care doesn't really have the level of cost and services. And, and frankly, there's much more of an incentive and an ability for a primary care provider, let's say a Medicare Advantage, um, to take on full risk and responsibility. You're not going to see that with, with surgical centers necessarily, um, but some of them are changing. And the good news is, is, is that um, on that front, I do see price transparency starting to take hold. Um, I think, as I said before, I think that uh, when you look at pricing, uh, pricing just keeps going up and up and up and up in healthcare. Um, I find something very funny too, and maybe you've seen it. It's very interesting that when when healthcare companies, in particular providers, talk about you know um, value, value based care, they tend to look at their prices and their spending of their money. But when it's framed around patients and the way patients should look at value based care, right? It's all about what experience, quality of care outcomes, communication, trust, every word in there except prices. And so I, I think that this is really opening up a Pandora's box. And I do expect, though, that we're going to see this data get out uh, one way or the other. It's, it may not be provided by hospitals, Rohan, but as this data does start coming out more with payers in the next several years, um, I think that you're going to see it being put more to use and you're going to see it impacting some of these unique partnerings and some of the unique vendors that are coming to serve uh, self-insured employers. Indeed, indeed, I agree. You know, one of the things that you indicated earlier when we started this conversation is that this iteration of price transparency is really driven by the 2018 executive order uh, of the previous administration. Um, however, you know, I have to... <laughs> Think back to the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. Um, price transparency in the immediacy of that uh, of that act becoming the law uh, seemed like a like a game changer in so many ways. And I recall again, this is 10, 10 plus years ago. Many vendors providing that kind of service, like Castlight, for instance, they didn't do really well and had to reinvent themselves into doing something else. So, you know, I'm just curious again from your standpoint, what do you think has changed in the last 10, 12 years? where price transparency uh, may have a better chance of um, stabilizing this time around? Well, I know I sound like a broken record, but it really is the fact that, in, you know, it used to be uh, up until just a few years ago that most employers would, would, would complain and moan and groan about the costs, but quite frankly, they would just kick them down to the employees in terms of stagnated wages. Um, that time has come and gone because now what's happened is, is, is that the 
employee portion, the uh, employee portion, and you wrote a great piece on this, a great post on this a few weeks ago on the, uh, the high deductible health plans. It's gotten to the point now where I believe you said some, somewhere along the lines of, I, I may have the stat wrong, so correct me, but 33% of all high deductible health plan holders essentially never have one penny from their high deductible health plan paying for any of their health care for an entire year. And yet they pay all the premiums. Um, and this is true certainly in the individual side too of non-employees. Um, it's getting to the point where everything is pushed off. And now what's happening is with everything being pushed off to the individuals and employees, employers are still saying, this is getting ridiculous. Our prices keep going up and up and up and we can't sustain it anymore. It's just hit a critical mass. And so I think there's a lot of grumbling to politicians about that. But like with the Affordable Care Act, um, I think you really have sort of a, a disconnect and, and maybe really not an all in on politicians wanting to fix health care. The truth of the matter really is, and we all know this, that both sides of the political aisle are funded well by providers, by payers, by PBMs and pharmaceutical companies. And the fact of the matter really is, is that some of the things that we're seeing here with transparency are good, but some of them don't have a lot of teeth, right? I mean, like, like the first initial penalty in the hospital price transparency rule was like $300 a day. And now it's moved up to where it's something along the lines of, I think it's, it's up to $2 million a year if you're not compliant. Well, I did a study of the top 10 health systems, Rohan, around the country. And I added up all their hospitals and what all those penalties would mean. At the end of the day, it equated to something like 0.2 to 0.4%, not even 1% of total revenue would be impacted if they simply said, we're not going to comply. So there's not a lot of teeth in this, even with the recent increases in penalties. And I suspect what's trying to happen here, what's got happening is the politicians are trying to make a good showing about pricing, but because they're not going all the way, it's not having real impact. And it's going to be up to the employers uh, because it's certainly not going to be the payers and the providers that are going to want to see this happen. It's going to be up to the employers to drive this, this change because I don't see uh, the main players in healthcare, Rohan, nor the politicians uh, really doing what needs to be done to, to make this more consumer friendly and to be candid, just to lower prices. Forget price transparency. Prices need to be dropped. No one's talking about that. I mean, they just need to be lowered for affordability. And, um, you know, I just don't see that happening without a, a push from, from a different source and employers seem to be that source at this time. Indeed. I, I, I share your, uh, your belief that self-insured employers particularly are probably our hope in terms of um, um, making some sustainable changes here. Uh, and it's interesting that you talk about the incentives um, or the penalties in this particular case for non-compliance. It is truly a chump change when you think about it. Yeah. Um, the, the other stat I just wanted to call out is on high deductible plans, 90% of those on high deductible plans pay out of pocket, 90%. That is an enormous number. Uh, you almost outrageous. wonder why do you want care, right? Um, but the other comment that you made um, is also one that I think is an important one where you're talking about reducing the price. Well, 
I think price transparency is probably the first step in that because when I don't know what the price is, I don't know what the price needs to come down to, right? So, so, so right. from that standpoint, price tra- transparency certainly helps. L- let me, and, and I'd um, like to add something else if I might. And, sure, that is, and I won't take too long on no it, worries. but, you know, it's interesting. People, as people get to know the industry more, and particularly the payer side, because now payers are going to be in the next year here, of course, payers are supposed to be supplying their machine readable files starting January 1st of, of 2022. But now the administration has said um, that, yeah, that's when it's supposed to start. But really, we're going to start holding them accountable starting July. So, you know, another six months kicking the can down the road. But You know, it may be interesting also to note that not only do self-insured employers have a real push to go in direct contract with local hospitals and around the country centers of excellence, that's really in their interest. And to to be fair, I think it's going to be in the interest of health systems and, and centers of excellence to have a predictable payment model and to work on volume. Um... But I also think that, remember, that payers are divided into two sides. You've got payer plans that are fully insured, which have no interest in price transparency, no interest in reducing costs, no interest in reducing claims. They want everything to go up um, because with the medical loss ratio rule, that increases their window of profitability. But on the other side, payers also have an ASO business, right? They have a business that serves as a third-party you know, claims adjudicator for the monies of the self-insured organizations. Well, the self-insured organizations can go to these these ASO plans from the payers and say, look, we need you to really be an ally. It's mm-hmm. nice that you can spend our bank account money on claims and, and you can do the claims adjudication, but now we need you to be an ally. And since the prices are now becoming transparent, how are you going to do that for us, Cigna? How are you going to do that for us, Aetna or Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield? Because we want to see how you're going to save us money now that you have the data and that you can act on it. That's going to be key as well. So another way that self-insured companies can leverage. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm doing a lot of work on that front, and I'm sure you and I will talk a little more about that at some point in time here. Uh, Let me pick up this um, thread from a consumer's uh, standpoint. In one of my past roles, I was responsible for the member engagement tools for a number of uh, blues plans, uh, Mm -hmm. which gave me a lot of insights into the behavioral patterns of members. Health plan members barely ever touch the pricing tools, right? There are all kinds of interesting tools that allowed them to go in and check the prices, select different providers based on price and quality, but we barely saw any utilization of that. So while the advocacy for price transparency is good, from a consumer side, does not seem that it is leveraged or or is even used as a decision make decision uh, decision maker. Right. Um, and, and part of that, I think, is because healthcare is, after all, very personal. It drives emotional decisioning. So, you know, I'm just curious from your standpoint: Will price transparency uh, change enterprise operating procedures by any means at all? Well. There's a couple things to that. First, as we said in the beginning, as far as it helping true individuals to go out and shop, um, it won't, especially in the first several years, it's not going to do that. And I don't really expect it's going to do that until the whole way that services are billed has changed 
And I don't necessarily see, unless there's some government edict that comes out, that hospitals and health systems are going to want to take on full risk by saying, here's our one-stop pricing for this surgery or that surgery. Um, some centers of excellence are doing that, but they're not doing it for all surgeries, of course. Um, so no, I don't, I really don't see um, those enterprises changing. Um, what I do see though, is I see more companies coming in to help um, individuals. Like I wrote an article uh, that I sort of said, dear Google Health, now that you're disbanding around, I guess what you were working on before, Fitbit watches and developing some new EHR system, why not focus on something that's felt by everybody, which is pricing and affordability? You know, people trust Google. They know Google. Um, and, and the fact of the matter is, is, is that since healthcare is not going to change and it's overly complex, Rohan, at the end of the day, most people just give up. They don't feel like they have any power. So if there were some sort of tool developed, whether it was for primary care, elective surgeries, or whatnot, were, and when plan information is coming in as well, that people could feel uh, a greater ease of interacting. Um, because it's one thing to even have transparency. And as you point out so well, it's another thing to make heads and tails of it and make it understandable in English. That's not even, I mean, that's so far down the pipeline for individuals. So I see like a great endeavor from an organization like Amazon or especially Google would be developing some sort of tool for two purposes. One, to analyze your healthcare bills and to see if when you've been billed for services, have you been billed improperly? Did they overbill? Did they add in things you shouldn't be paying for? Are they giving you a surprise bill? Something that could put an engine in place to help people, they could feed in their bill and they could get back some empowerment. Uh, and the other thing would be proactively through price transparency, is there a tool that Google could build for the consumer to help them on the more elective side, let's say, knowing their plan? You put in your plan, you put in your group number, um, then you put in your local area and what's going on with you. I'm talking about something coming out by 2024 when you know, you know, know, all the plan pricing has come in and a lot more is transparent than today. But that's how I see the, uh, the change is happening. I don't see it happening on the provider front uh, unless they're forced to. And I definitely think Google could even be a force for forcing them to, uh, candidly. It's just going to take outside influence and money, and it's going to take a lot of smart human intelligence coming in and AI as well. And I think that Google, in my opinion, is perfectly centered for this. And I think it's a train that they should candidly jump on board. It's I don't know anything that's more widely felt than pricing and affordability in healthcare right now. Absolutely. And I, I, I must call out the fact that I did uh, read that article. And it is, it, it, you certainly pull out some very interesting ideas. You know, the, the place where I keep pausing is the overall health and healthcare literacy in America is pretty low. So despite technology enablement, despite the best efforts across the ecosystem, um, I have to ask, where is the consumer in this in terms of their responsibility, right? It doesn't only start from a care standpoint, it also starts from a health and wellness standpoint. And I think um, the consumers also need to step up in ensuring that one, they stay healthy, they stay well. And when they do get sick, unfortunately, which I think most of us do from time to time, 
that there's a level of, um, of curiosity and a level of interest in trying to learn both the process and the pricing uh, in order to ensure that they get the best care uh, when they need it. Um, fabulous. So Steve, just looking at the clock, I think we have time to start going into the last part of our conversation on the podcast, which is to look into the future. So I've got a couple of questions here to get your insights into. Fire away. Um, the first one. So what do you envision is the future of price transparency? A menu of prices for all procedures at, a, at every care delivery facility driving a more informed health consumer or something totally different? Something totally different. I, I think the, the first one for primary care, and you're already seeing companies like Walmart and Amazon, other companies coming in like Dollar General has a plan to do this as well. Primary care is wholly different than secondary and tertiary care and ancillary care. So it's almost like a split, right? You can do it for primary care, a menu of prices, because there's a lot less that they have to bill or be responsible for, and they can refer out if there's excessive complexity, if they're going to take risk, let's say with a, a, a Medicare Advantage or some other plan or a, a you know whatnot, or self-pay patient. But on the other side, when you get into secondary, tertiary, ancillary, and other forms of care other than primary, no, I don't see any menu coming in the near future, except for the fact if there are certain elective surgeries that companies like TransCare and others can coordinate, let's say, uh, for self-insured companies, that's a bit different. What I do see, though, is I see a whole world of interstitial companies and tools and empowering vendors coming in for individuals eventually, but certainly for self-insured companies and their costs. And it's going to trickle down to their employees as well in terms of care journey improvement that I see happening. So price transparency, a very good thing. In a perfect world, it would be a menu. It's not going to happen because healthcare would have to completely unfold uh, a lot of its very guts and structure, which would be disastrous financially if that all happened at once. But I think you're going to see change through players coming in and recognizing that um, you know th there's a real need to be filled. And now that we have the data and now we have the pricing data, we can start seeing who's strong, who's weak, who will play ball, how can we empower and leverage through some, some consumer-friendly tools um, that front-facing wise are going to be easier to interact with and that are going to be more personalized to individual situations. That is, that's what I say. So I, I'm reading into that, you saying that the charge master at hospital systems might become public. That'll be the day. Oh, no, I think the charge master will absolutely become public one way or the other. Remember, there's already data streams out there um, uh, uh, billions of de-identified claims mm. that identify the hospital, the service, and the level of the service and the price. I don't think that's the problem. I think the problem is the actual guts of, you know, taking the CPT coding system and breaking that down and saying, you're not going to bill a la carte anymore. To break that whole thing apart, which of course is super complex and mucks up price transparency for consumers altogether, takes it out of the English speaking language, that's a bigger nut. And that I, that I see tremendous resistance on. Yeah. Um, and, and since that's not going to change, that's where the tools are going to have to come in for leverage that, uh, you know, that hopefully companies like Google and other vendors will come in uh, to empower and help through. Excellent. Let me ask you one last question. Um, and this is around climate change. 
you know, I have to say climate change is upon us and has been for a long time now, despite the debate about who caused it. My yes. view is that health and healthcare has a significant ability to help slow and potentially reverse climate change through the social determinants of health. Our consumption patterns and lifestyle choices, such as eating vegetables that, oh, by the way, has a carbon footprint equivalent to driving two miles versus 30 miles when you consume one pound of beef. You know, stopping sugar subsidies of $4 billion every year uh, could be, those dollars could be utilized for disadvantaged housing, for instance. So I'm just curious as we wrap this podcast, Steve, what is your general take on climate change? Well, I think you're spot on with it. Uh, obviously, that uh, you, you've made connections here that are not only valid, but they're almost frightening. Uh, I think it really comes down to, are we going to intervene with big government? Because candidly, uh, I heard it once said in a movie, motives are rarely unselfish, whichever way people choose to act and what they choose to value. You can't force somebody to say, look, everybody knows. I don't think it, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who uh, if you said, is it better to run two miles a day and eat two apples a day than to smoke two packs of cigarettes and eat two Twinkies? I think anybody uh, that's clear thinking would say, obviously, but do they value it? Will they actually value it enough to make life changes and follow through on behaviors? And the key really is going to be, uh, and we're seeing this certainly in countries like China and in India, the arguments are there about you know the waste, the pollution, and but are they making changes? Not really, right? So I think ultimately you're spot on with it. Um, I'm not a fan of big government, but I think in a case like this, it's going to take government intervention uh, to make something like that happen because until it causes excessive pain down to the individual, it's going to be hard to change an individual's values and actions based on something they may not be feeling and experiencing themselves. It's Again, motives are rarely unselfish. Uh, it's just human nature. What's important to you may not well be important to a lot of other people, even though it may be the right thing to do for the planet and, and for society. And it's unfortunate, but um, you've identified something that, that really needs to be addressed. Couldn't agree more. Steve, thank you so much. Wonderful conversation as always. Wonderful to see you as well. I appreciate you stopping by and having this conversation with me. Thank you. Rohan, I just, I love, I love your show and I'm glad we're connected and I'm glad you had me on. Thank you so much. <laughs>